Welcome to Failed Utopia, the podcast about utopian ideas and paradise lost. We look at utopian concepts of the past, present, and future, as well as utopian communities and cults, which promise the world to eager followers, but inevitably fail when it all starts to unravel. everyone, this is an update or a part two about Love Has Won. I have a bunch of new information for you guys, and there have been some new developments in this case. If you haven't listened to my first episode about Love Has Won, you're going to want to go and listen to that first because you need the background information. That was episode 18 of Failed Utopia, which aired on May 25th. It's linked in the show notes. Today, I'll be updating you on the criminal cases related to the discovery of Amy Carlson's body, some things that aired recently in a special on Dateline NBC, what the group is up to now, and my personal experience getting etheric surgery by Mother God from the fifth dimension. Yes, I got psychic surgery from a deceased cult leader. Some episodes of this podcast contain disturbing or upsetting topics. Use your discretion for yourself and those around you. This won't be appropriate for kids. If you feel you need support, please consider asking for help through a crisis line, a mental health professional, or a loved one. I have resources including crisis hotline phone numbers listed in the show notes. First of all, Love Has Won has rebranded in the wake of Amy's death. They're now called 5D Full Disclosure. I'll be using the names Love Has Won and 5D Full Disclosure throughout this episode, but I'm referring to the same group. I guess the biggest update I have for you all is that all of the criminal charges have been dropped. Yes, everything. If you'll recall from the previous episode, or if you've been following this story in the news, The current Father God at the time of Amy's passing, Jason Castillo, and six other adults were arrested and charged with crimes relating to abuse of a corpse and child abuse, as a two-year-old boy and a 13-year-old girl were also in the home with Amy's corpse shrine. The district attorney, Alonzo Payne, has said that his office just didn't have enough to take the cases to court and prove that any crime was committed beyond a reasonable doubt. This is maddening, but it is how the justice system works. Even if investigators believe they know someone committed a crime, if there isn't enough evidence that prosecutors believe they can win a case in court, it won't go forward. So all of the charges related to abuse of a corpse, tampering with a corpse, and child abuse have now been dropped. There was also the question of possible additional charges relating to the failure of the people around Amy to get her medical help as her health declined precipitously over a period of time and she did not receive appropriate medical care. D.A. Payne and his office had to consider if that rose to the level of a criminal act. They decided that it didn't, and because it didn't, they also had to, quote, let people be people, as he put it in an interview on Dateline. 
He also suggested in that same interview that some things are best handled outside of the judicial system. What do you think about that? Should we be asking ourselves how to handle these types of events in some other way than a strictly legal lens? After all, many reasonable people do argue that, especially in cases that potentially involve mental health considerations, the courts and prison systems may not be the most effective way to handle these types of problems. And in this case, we're talking about members of a group that appears to have employed coercive control techniques and whose former members allege brainwashing and abuse. Maybe these people could better be helped through some sort of deprogramming or other intervention, but as far as I know, that option isn't on the table, so it's the courts or nothing. Sawatch County Sheriff Dan Warwick, for one, was not happy about this outcome. He says his office was not consulted in the decision to drop all the charges, and he believes these individuals should have faced the charges of child abuse and abuse of a corpse in court. Also not happy? Amy's family. Amy's mom, Linda, and her two sisters sat for interviews with Dateline as well. Linda describes feeling that the whole thing was brushed under the rug. I learned quite a bit from these interviews with Amy's family. One thing I learned was that Amy actually had three children. I did talk about Amy's son, Cole, in my original Love Has One episode, but what I didn't realize then is that Cole has two half-siblings. Cole was born when Amy was 19 years old, and according to her sisters, she did take care of his physical needs at first, but for whatever reason was not able to bond with him and provide for his emotional needs. When Cole was five years old, Amy had another child with a different father who also was interviewed by Dateline. Five years after Madison was born, Amy had a third child, a son, with a third father. That child has remained unnamed and as far as I can tell has not spoken to media. That's certainly understandable for any number of reasons. But if my math is correct, that son may not have any memories of Amy as it was shortly after this time that Amy abandoned her three children and her parents and siblings. Another interesting interview on that Dateline episode was with one of the former father gods who had some stories to tell, like how when he first arrived to the Colorado property to join the group, everyone there was on a multi-day bender, tripping balls on psychedelics. Amy, he says, was so out of it that she couldn't even get out of her chair or form a sentence. Did he turn tail and run? No, he stuck around. He also told of growing a bit alarmed later on when Amy started claiming that the spirits of famous dead people were joining their group. He described it as being like watching a child play make-believe. He also talked about her heavy drinking, which involved filling at least six to seven highball glasses of mostly straight vodka every single night and that she became bitter and mean when drinking. In spite of it all, he still believed in her, loved her, and believed that she was a good person who just had trouble with alcohol. This is a good time to mention that there's a communication war going on to control the narrative about this story and about Amy specifically. There's been backlash against Dateline from former Love Has One members who say they softballed Amy 
and made her look like a victim instead of the sociopathic tormentor they knew her as. And there's some other weird internet war going on between Amy's family and their supporters, former members, and the Rising Above Love Has One support group. It's really sad, actually. There's just a ton of drama and vitriol. And then, of course, 5D full disclosure and their spin. So the tug of war for this story will probably never be over, especially with at least a couple of docuseries reportedly in the works. The way Amy's family seems to reckon with her out-of-control and abusive behavior, which, as we all know, is observable in multiple videos, is that Amy herself had been brainwashed and had gotten in with the wrong people, as her mom Linda put it. To me, this is the most natural thing in the world. I even mentioned this a bit on my episode about Rod Farrell and the vampire clan from a couple of weeks ago. For most parents, if you believe you raised your child in a certain way, and then they start acting differently and doing bad things, any parent's natural response would be to blame an outside influence, the wrong crowd, a bad crowd, or someone who was a bad influence. I don't blame Linda for this, and I'm not criticizing her. I'm just saying that Amy's family knew her when she was young, as a sweet, popular girl who loved to be the center of attention, as they describe. They say there was no sign of the later Amy that emerged during her Love Has One days and up until her death. If you're really interested in this dynamic between Amy and her mom, there is an entire Dr. Phil episode where Amy and her mother Linda are on the show and able to speak to one another. I didn't talk about this on my original episode, but if you're curious, that episode is out there. And Dr. Phil also confronts Amy about her behavior with video footage of some of her screaming, abusive outbursts, berating, and humiliating group members. Linda emotionally begged her daughter to stop what she's doing, but obviously that didn't work. Amy explains away and rationalizes her behavior on these videos as having been taken out of context and also as a result of frustration for her physical pain and declining health. But honestly, her behavior in these and other videos is inexcusable for that or any other reason. So let's now skip forward to the period of time after Amy was found deceased. Remember, it was a Love Has One member who finally did report the corpse to police. I didn't name that person in my previous episode, but his name is Miguel Lamboy. He goes by Mike. And he was basically the money guy for the group. He's been described as Amy's sort of lieutenant, and he ran the business side of things like their alternative wellness product line, Gaia's Whole Healing Essentials. And he was also known in the group as the Archangel Michael. There is body cam footage of some of his interactions and interview with police. And my take on it is that he was mostly concerned about his son. Remember, his two-year-old had been grabbed by the other cult members when he said he was going to tell the police about Amy's body. So he wants the police to go in and get his son away from them. And oh, by the way, there's also a corpse in the house. 
One of the things that's a little weird in his interview is that you realize he drove out of the county where he lives and went to Salida, Colorado, which is about 45 miles away, to report to the police. And during the interview, they ask him, why didn't you report to Sawatch? And he says, that's where bad things happen, which is kind of weird, but maybe he'd had a past run-in or something. There is a lot of criticism out there of the sheriff's office for not having done anything about this group and others, and some of the disappearances and weird things that have happened around Crestone, but I'm not going to get into that. But one of the wackiest things from Mike Lamboy's interview is that at one point, there's somebody from the police department who's off camera, but you hear her coughing. And Mike Lamboy says, you should take colloidal silver. He says, it's an all-natural antibiotic. So he's literally talking to law enforcement, and apparently despite everything, and despite his wanting to go to the police about Amy's corpse being in his house, he's still hawking the colloidal silver. So the police call Sawatch County and sheriff's deputies go to the house and there's also now body cam footage of this. I watched it. I am not recommending that you go out and watch it. Um, So the beginning is basically them, you know, going into the house. Jason Castillo, also known as Father God, is there And he's, you know, kind of acting a little odd, as he does. And he tells them, yeah, mother is in rest. She has rested. So he's basically saying, yeah, we have a dead body here, but he doesn't actually say she's dead. Then there's some footage of them kind of like patting people down. I think they're making arrests at this point. And then there's footage of the room with Amy's body. Deputies go in. And it gets really weird for obvious reasons, but also because the deputies are actually joking around and laughing when they discover the body, which is pretty disturbing. I'm sure some people will be really upset by this. On the surface, it does look like just extreme insensitivity, very inappropriate, but my personal interpretation of this is that these deputies might actually have been having a stress or shock response. When they first see the body, the deputy that's standing and looking at the body just bursts out laughing, like kind of a too loud, hysterical type of laugh. So they're in this room, they're looking at this body wrapped up in a sleeping bag and a whole room which is decorated not just with the lights, but as a whole shrine, basically. One of the deputies says, there's something back there. I don't know what the fuck it is, but And everybody laughs. And my personal opinion is that these guys basically have to compartmentalize in the moment to do their job and do what needs to be done here. So I am willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, although I can certainly see how this would be upsetting to some people because it looks like they're just not taking it seriously and are laughing about this dead body. Now, throughout this, you don't really see anything of Amy in the footage. You see the room, you see the bed with what looks like a pile of blankets on it, and you see all these string lights, but you really can't see her. And the lighting is weird because it's like after midnight in the video, so it's kind of dark, 
And then all of the Christmas lights and the deputies are shining a flashlight on her. So you just can't really see much. But then there's a moment where there's a close up of her face. And it's just a small part of her face sort of peeking out from the sleeping bag. Or actually not peeking because she had no eyes, but the face is very strange looking. It's, of course, sort of decayed and dried out and a very weird dark gray color. And then there's the glitter. Now, a very horrific piece of new information that I have learned is that the 13-year-old girl who was found in the house not only was staying there with this corpse in a room, but she was actually asked to sit in the room with a body and read to Amy and use essential oils on Amy and in the room to keep the smell down as the body decomposed. After hearing this, I am honestly beyond shocked that no child abuse charges stuck. This is absolutely horrific. But because there are no criminal charges, I have to assume that this girl is probably back with her family in the wind and potentially still part of the cult. I don't know. But I really hope she's okay and that someone is keeping tabs on her. At the time of this recording, the coroner has not yet come out with a final autopsy report with the cause of death. We don't know what finally killed Amy, whether it was her purported cancer, something related to years of alcohol and drug abuse, or excessive use of colloidal silver. We can certainly see from video footage toward the end of her life that she was extremely ill, confined to a wheelchair, emaciated, and appear to be displaying symptoms of an overuse of colloidal silver, including pronounced skin discoloration. Maybe we'll find something out when the final autopsy report becomes available, or maybe not. What I have heard is that the coroner has been unable to determine a cause of death due to the state of the body and the level of decomposition, and they were also waiting on lab testing for heavy metals. But we'll see. And I'll be sure to update you guys if we learn anything whenever that comes out. As far as what events may have led up to Amy's passing, this is mostly just speculation. Amy's family seems to be under the impression that Love Has Won members refused to take Amy to a real doctor or hospital in order to orchestrate her passing in a way that would fit the narrative of their cult and keep money coming in. It does appear that group members watched her deteriorate badly for over a year and did not seek appropriate medical care for her. Of course, we can't know whether Amy wanted to see a doctor or not. Due to her poor physical condition, she was essentially reliant on other group members at this point. Then again, it seems if she really needed help and they were somehow keeping her from it, she could have at least called 911 or something even though she was somewhat incapacitated. But we just can't know what went on behind closed doors. There is live streaming footage of one of the Love Has Won members describing why they weren't taking Amy to what they refer to as a 3D doctor or 3D hospital, meaning the world we're currently living in as opposed to the fifth dimension. And that reason was basically that they didn't think doctors would know what to do with Mother God and would just be completely perplexed and helpless 
because she is, in fact, a god, a supernatural being. I mean, God wouldn't go to a doctor, right? But as I mentioned earlier, the district attorney has decided that the lack of seeking medical care for Amy did not rise to the level of a criminal act. As far as why the group didn't report Amy's death and kept the corpse, Amanda Ray has a theory. She is the founder of the support group Rising Above Love Has Won. Um, Amanda's theory is that followers didn't report the death because they were waiting for Amy's body to physically ascend. That's what was supposed to happen. But when it didn't, then they were stuck with this corpse. Amanda Ray is the sister of a man who at one point was pulled into the group and had an extremely bizarre experience with them, from which he says he was lucky to emerge alive. He was radicalized over the internet and one day blindsided his family by leaving his wife and kids and traveling to join Love Has Won. His wife watched in horror as he appeared on the group's live stream, but the next day he wasn't there. His family desperately started searching for him, calling hospitals, jails, and law enforcement. And he was eventually found wandering alone, naked, confused, and disoriented. He believes he'd been dosed with a psychedelic spiked in what he thought was one of these colloidal silver drinks. He was sent out into the woods for a three-day spiritual quest but was so out of his mind that he ended up taking off all his clothes, staring into the sun for hours, which, by the way, uh, this group believes it's a myth that staring straight at the sun is bad for you. And he wandered into traffic, almost being hit by a semi. A good Samaritan finally found him, and he was reunited with his family, but he was still confused and under the impression that he had just completed an important mission for Mother God and that the ascension had actually occurred and that he was now in the fifth dimension. His family was able to take him home, but had to coerce him by playing along with his delusions. After keeping him confined, he eventually returned to his senses, but it took weeks and months for him to recover and come back to reality. You'd think that after going through this experience with her brother, that Amanda Ray would have some pretty hard feelings toward the group, but instead she strives to work from a place of compassion, and unbelievably, when she started becoming alarmed by the reports on Amy's condition in the group's live streams, and hearing that she was essentially on death's doorstep, Amanda frantically tried to call an ambulance for Amy. She was finally able to get authorities to perform a welfare check at the property where Amy was last known to be staying in California, but when authorities arrived, they were told that Amy was no longer there. Maybe she was, maybe she wasn't, but that may have been Amy's last chance for medical help if it wasn't already too late. So, where is the group today? As I told you in the last episode, the death of Amy Carlson was not the end of Love Has Won. They are still live streaming daily on YouTube as 5D Full Disclosure, though it seems they've had to create a new channel. I think their other channel had been reported so much that they were put in YouTube jail for a while and had to start a new channel. 
But the live streams are still continuing to the tune of about an hour a day or more. It's mostly the same type of stuff, rehashing old Mother God content and talking self-help, ascension, conspiracies, and astrology. I randomly popped into one of the recent live streams, and it was a guy just reading the day's horoscopes off the internet. My suspicion is that the live streams are currently mostly for community building and camaraderie. There's definitely an atmosphere of friendship and fellowship on these live streams. Whoever's conducting the live stream is frequently looking at the live chat and saying, oh, hi, so-and-so, we love you, things like that. So my take on this is that it's not so much about the content at this point, but more about the friendship and sense of community and hanging out together and, I guess you could say, recruitment. The Love Has One website is still down, but they've replaced it with a brand new site, which is live, and it's called 5dfulldisclosure.org. Here's something funny. Somebody apparently nabbed the 5dfulldisclosure.com domain before they could get to it, because if you go to the .com domain, it redirects to a Reddit forum for an anti-Love Has One group. (laughs) So that was pretty clever. But over on 5dfulldisclosure.org, the group is still up to their old tricks. So when you get to the site, they have, um, you know, upcoming events. They (laughs) This is funny. There's a posting for the next general council meeting. And the image for the announcement is like a government legislature, (laughs) which is kind of hilarious. Then they've got links to their daily live streams. They've got some resources, um, one of which you can download their Ascension Guide, which is sort of like a primer or how-to document for the group. Um, That is a very wild ride. I don't have time to go through that whole thing on this episode. but. It's it's really something. I have noticed there seems to be a certain amount of sort of overlap with QAnon, um, in addition to all of the New Age stuff, some more religious stuff and wellness stuff. So I guess either they have an interest in the QAnon stuff and it appeals to them, and or maybe they find that that's a good way to bring people in, folks who are already interested in some of the QAnon stuff. Like they talk all the time about the cabal. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's a reference to QAnon stuff. There is basically a blog called 5D Energy Updates. And then there are a bunch of other pages for stuff like Crystal Schools, About 13D Plasma, info on their workshops, a page called About Mom, a a bunch of other stuff. Then there's the energetic sessions page. And this is where they list the services that they provide. So you can get something called quantum warrior numerology for $88.88 for 30 minutes. And yes, uh, they're into numerology and all of their pricing is like this. $44.44, $22.22, everything. You can also get Astro Oracle Reading and Intuitive Galactic Insights Tarot 
Then they have a bunch of stuff under the heading of intuitive sessions. And these things have names like Unity Consciousness Family Session. (laughs) I cannot imagine being dragged to one of these by a family member or, you know, like your parent makes you do this. (laughs) Um, Overcoming Addiction. Ooh, Galactic Cervical Neck and Spine Activation. Uh, that's only $44.44 for an entire hour. Galactic brain activations, um, DNA activation session. That looks good. Uh, density clearing. So there's a bunch of stuff there. And then there is basically their flagship service, which is etheric surgery with Mother God. Uh, they also offer etheric surgery for animals, and there's some add-on products like angel chip activation surgery. But let's look at the description for their flagship service, etheric surgery with Mother God. It has a really long description, um, so I'll just read you a bit of it. The surgery is performed in the etheric realm on your higher self by Mother God and the Galactic A-Team in the fifth dimension. You don't have to do anything. Mother God and her team will do it all. This healing is all done on your higher self first in order to heal the energetic body where all disease, illnesses, and bodily dysfunction stem from. The energetic body must heal first before it manifests into the physical. Everything that is non-organic density or not supposed to be in the body will be removed and fully healed. This includes but is not limited to trauma and wounding stored in the body, vaccine toxins, diseases, chronic or acute illnesses, microchips, brain damage, neurological issues or disorders, and tumors. This can best be described as a full body detox. And there's more, but I'm not going to read you the whole thing. Um, I thought that was sounding pretty good so far, um, but I was curious about the fact that they're still advertising it as a service with Mother God, who we know has been deceased for several months now. So I thought, well, maybe they just copied the description over or something, but I wanted to find out. So I sent them an email asking my question, and I actually heard back from somebody in a matter of hours. So they wrote back to me, Hi, Anna. Yes, it is still her that is doing the work from the etheric side. And as before, team handles the session and gets through the info on the surgery. So yeah, they're saying it's still Mother God doing the work from the fifth dimension. And apparently they have some way to communicate the information back and forth. So I thought, okay, um, psychic surgery from a deceased woman from the fifth dimension, good enough for me. So I went on the website and booked the service, and I have actually had the first of two calls. So on the first call, I talked to a team member. Um, it was supposed to be a 15-minute appointment. We actually ended up speaking for about 35 minutes. So, um, yeah, there, there was a lot, <laughs> but, um, a bunch of it, the person was really, really talkative and shared a lot. And I found I could barely get a word in. I did manage to ask a couple of questions, 
but it's not what you would consider a consultation, really. Like they didn't ask me any information about my health or, you know, any specific disease or anything like that. Um, the person I talked to actually mostly just talked about Mother God, about, you know, their whole thing. Um, I mean, honestly, it, it was a big conversation. <laughs> but anyway, so she told me that the surgery will be taking place over the next like five days. And for me, as I'm recording this, that conversation was about two days ago. So in theory, Mother God could be doing a surgery on me as we speak. She could be working on my brain or removing a microchip or clearing density out of my body. But anyway, then there's going to be another call, which as I'm recording is a few days from now. And that is when I will get the results of the surgery. So I'm really looking forward to finding out what the results are. I have a feeling the results will either be something fairly innocuous, like, hey, she realigned your chakras, or it'll be something totally bananas, like you had a tumor, but don't worry, she got rid of it. <laughs> so I really am looking forward to hearing what they have to say. I just hope the procedure I need isn't like a lobotomy. <laughs> I know, I know. How could you tell? <laughs> um. But I'll record an update for you guys after my next conversation with the 5D Full Disclosure team. So back on the website, there's also a shop called New Earth Healing Essentials. Now, remember, Gaia's Whole Healing Essentials was warned by the FDA and FTC for some of their activities, and that site is not currently active. But the same products are now being sold on the 5D Full Disclosure website. And they've got all sorts of stuff. Some of it is fairly harmless looking. Um, they've got some artwork and apparel. They sell crystals, some like holistic wellness and beauty type things, candles. And then they've got something called 13D Plasma Technology. There's like sprays and tinctures. Um, what they say about plasma, it's a pure consciousness of a very high frequency as plasma makes up everything we see and touch. GANs are nanoparticles of consciousness that are the smallest particles to achieve in this dimension, which makes them easy to digest and absorb. GANs can absorb the frequency of anything and replicate it. So our plasma spray holds the consciousness of the pure field of mother of all creation. The plasma range has been created in heaven energetics in divine alignment that beings planet wide can heal and evolve with. So, I mean, God knows what's actually in them. Probably not much is my thought. Um, ooh, plasma colloidal silver eye drops. My God. I would not put that in my eye. Our colloidal silver eye drops include a two ounce bottle of our colloidal silver that contains minimal amounts of our turmeric extract. So it is safe to be used in the eyes. Oh my God. Can be used for children, adults and pets, protects against viruses, 
Okay, this is my first time looking at that product, and that is alarming. Yeah, I will not be putting that in my eyeballs. Okay, and then they have these plasma like coasters, pendants, and pyramids. 3D plasma generator pyramids. These are $444.44. Um, actually, the person I talked to for my etheric pre-surgery phone call um, tried to upsell me on one of these. <laughs> and actually, she said that she's one of the people that helps make them. They look like um, resin art, if you've ever seen that. Um, that's what they look like. But they have some like coiled wire inside of them. Um, and yeah, the person said that that's one of the jobs they do. So that was kind of interesting. Um, the description of the plasma generator pyramids, these generators will connect to any other plasma technology and boost the healing properties of it. These generators were created using the first 3D plasma on the planet. These new and improved pyramids are now six-dimensional and include six GANs units inside. At school, we were taught about three states of matter, solid, liquid, and gas. In truth, there are actually four states of matter, solid, liquid, gas, and GANs, gas at a nano state. In truth, all matter is formed from energy and frequency. Plasma is the magnetic and gravitational field that forms all matter, the aura and torus fields that surround all beings, plants, and even man-made objects influence the physical makeup of all matter. So yeah, the, it goes on and on and on like this. I, it, it's a lot. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but that should give you a little bit of an idea of what I'm talking about here. I mean, they're kind of, I guess, cool looking if you like that kind of thing, like it would make a great paperweight, but... The description is a little alarming. Okay, so now we come to, again, their flagship products, which they call Magical Colloidal Elixirs. Now, I've already talked to you about the colloidal silver, of course, but there are a bunch of other products, including gold, copper. They've also slapped the word plasma onto a bunch of these elixirs. Um, here's a platinum one. Let me take a look at that. It's a more expensive one. Introducing our new plasma platinum elixir. This is mom's magical miracle elixir. Platinum is a very rare material and has very special and spiritual properties. It holds etheric vibrations which raise the vibration of your spiritual energy within the body. Platinum is a cosmic DNA upgrader as it heals the chakra systems and allows you to connect with higher frequencies. Platinum is quite literally out of this world, famed through its affiliation with extraterrestrials. This metal actually does emulate vibrations of raw galactic energy. And again, there's a huge long description. It goes on and on like this. So, yep, they are still at it. I'm I'm going to have to look into like snake oil cures and just like alternative wellness products generally at some point because I think most people think that stuff like this isn't allowed to be sold. Like people just think if something is on the market then it must be okay to buy, but 
honestly, like the supplement sort of industry is fairly unregulated. And so there's a lot of stuff like this out there on the market. So yeah, that's just like a small selection basically of the products that they're offering. So while I was plumbing the depths of internet trash for this episode, I also found a website called lovehasonewater.com. It is predictably very strange. It says, drink pure filtered alkaline water now. This is a love and appreciation water crystal. This is the molecular structure for water that enables good health. And then there's like a picture of a snowflake. And then they're just like selling water bottles with filters, um, regular water filters like that you would take on a backpacking trip, replacement filters. It's it's basically just they've taken water filters and branded them, like put logos on them. And for whatever reason, the brand they went with is Seychelles, like the country in Africa. I guess like, I mean, it's totally bizarre. I don't, I really don't get it. And to be fair, it seems like it's sort of defunct. Like there's this weird pop-up that sort of prevents the site from working properly. Um, so I don't know. I, I wasn't sure if this was really associated with love has one or it was just some like weirdo trying to capitalize on the name but it does say proceeds from these products are used to expand the reach and work of lovehasone.org and i was curious so i looked up the ican information for the domain registration and this domain is in fact registered to lovehasone.org so i assume that this has something to do with mike lamboy who I heard is also the person who previously administered lovehasone.org. And of course, that was taken down months ago. Now, because Mike Lamboy administered the business side of things, Love Has One's business and bank accounts are in his name. And apparently he is in control of the group's bank account containing about $200,000. And that's what he told police. It appears that he might now be out of the group, I'm not sure, but he really distanced himself from the group when talking to police, which is understandable, or maybe that's true. Um, I know Dateline couldn't reach him for their episode that they did, but what I have heard is that he's still in Colorado and perhaps not able to leave the state because of pending investigation. Now, I already mentioned that the DA doesn't think that any followers played a role in Amy Carlson's death and there are no plans for any future charges. However, the financial and business side of things could maybe potentially be different if there's some kind of fraud or financial investigation going on. And presumably, since accounts are in Mike Lamboy's name, he could be left holding the bag for some of that stuff. I came across a GoFundMe for Gaia's Whole Healing Essentials, which is no longer accepting donations now, but it was organized by Mike Lamboy and a couple of other people, and it took in over $7,000 before it was shut down. Now, there's also another new website called NewEarthTransitionaryGovernment.org. They have a catchy slogan, we are the ones we have been waiting for. (laughs) And 
the very first thing, basically, besides their slogan that you see is, welcome to our mission. Where we go one, we go all. Uh, that is the QAnon slogan, FYI. Then it says, the New Earth Transitionary Government is a group of beings who are awakened now and will be leading the leaders of New Earth, the way showers for the way showers. These beings know that they are special and have been led to this website by their higher selves. There are no mistakes. You are here for a reason. If you feel you are part of the transitionary government, it means you are. So I guess I am, and maybe now you are too. It says they had their first general council meeting on September 9th, 2021. And at first I thought maybe this site was like a different splinter group from Love Has Won or something, but it does say to keep updated with the energies or to book sessions, please visit our main site at 5dfulldisclosure.org. So apparently this is all part and parcel of the same group, which is the continuation of Love Has Won. So a little more from this site. It says, leading humanity into sovereignty, mother of all creation decreed that the new earth transitionary government would be the leaders of the ascension for humanity. The vision of the transitionary government is a peaceful assembly of sovereign beings working together in harmony to create cosmic order, integrity, and abundance for all beings on earth. We teach and encourage all galactic human beings to claim their own sovereignty become their God self, and to lead humanity through the example of divinity. Our vision is that all of humanity will become one, working together through counsel and cooperation to govern ourselves through compassion and communication. They also have a section that says, Our Principles, the Utopian Society. This is right up my alley. The utopian society will endeavor to be a living government, always improving and changing for the best. Like the Garden of Eden, the utopian society models itself after a garden, cultivating and encouraging the growth of that which is beautiful and good, while resisting the growth of weeds. The allegory of the flowers and weeds applies to people, businesses, and states, as well as to flora itself. Utopia does not enforce lifestyle or morality on an individual. The system of the utopian society described herein is that of a very simple government, where the people macromanage the country, the politicians obey the people. In the utopian society, the rights of individuals to have employment or an income stream is as fundamental as the right of individuals to accumulate wealth and not be taxed. Every able-bodied person that makes an effort can win in the utopian society. Um, they don't say what they're going to do with the non-able-bodied people. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, they're literally saying we are the new world government and we are here to create a utopian society. So yeah, there's just a ton of stuff here. I won't make you sit through more of it. They've got a big list of universal laws. Ooh, and it looks like there's a link to apply. Hmm. If you resonate with becoming a member of the New Earth Transitionary Government, your soul is contracted to be a leader of humanity and New Earth. Uh, I might fill that out just for the hell of it. So in addition to their new websites and the live streaming, 
There's still a Facebook page for 5D Full Disclosure, and I came across a podcast as well. So basically, there's still a lot of activity by this group. Jason Castillo, formerly Father God, has a new group called Joy Reigns, and he is still capitalizing on Amy's Mother God persona and essentially just talks about her and mimics her in his very mind-boggling online content. But yeah, I think my assessment from several months ago still holds that this group and their beliefs really aren't going anywhere. There's also a news story circulating about a woman missing from the Crestone, Colorado area who the Sawatch County Sheriff's Office says was last seen in the company of a Love Has One member. So that's also a developing story. She's still missing as of this recording. I'll put a link in the show notes to a news story about that, which contains the number to call if you know anything about the missing person, Jennifer Driver. So those are all the updates I had for you guys at this time. If I hear anything more about Amy's autopsy results, cause of death, or any potential future criminal charges relating to this case, I'll let you know. In the meantime, at least you have something to look forward to, which will be my update on the results of my etheric surgery with Mother God. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow and leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to help other people find it. Tell your friends about it. And if you want to support the pod directly and help keep new episodes coming, you can donate to the show through the link at the bottom of the show notes. Connect and stay in the loop on the website, failedutopia.com or the Facebook page at Failed Utopia Pod. Failed Utopia episodes are written and produced by me, Anna Roberts. The burning palm tree painting featured on the cover is by artist Perry Vasquez. My intro music is by Elliot Middleton. See you next time.